All right. Well, as has already been said, this is Pentecost Sunday. A lot of people refer to this as the birthday of the church, so happy birthday. It was 50 days after Jesus Christ rose from the dead, 10 days after he ascended into heaven. It was on the Jewish feast of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit was poured out, <clears throat> excuse me, was poured out on the church. And Jesus' disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus had said that they would be. It wasn't just the apostles. It was a whole group of 120 of them that were in the upper room, men and women. And just as Jesus had promised, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the disciples received power. This was a pivotal moment in the lives of the believers. The disciples were transformed. They were filled with power and the church was born. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that you would give us fresh ears to hear your word. That you would give us fresh eyes to see your work as we open our hearts to you now. Holy Spirit, come. Speak to us. Bring your kingdom in this place this morning in Jesus' name. Today we're going to continue this uh, our series on the church as we talk about the church being people with power. Now we gave you a hint of this last week when we looked at the promise that Jesus gave as our, our, our message last week was a people with, uh, that we are a people with a promise. And that promise was when, when Jesus said to Peter, I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it or will not prevail against it as some translations say. Satan has been trying to destroy the church since its inception, since day one of the church's existence, through persecution, through trying to bring false teachings in. He's tried everything. But we have a promise because, that he'll never succeed because Jesus gave us his word that the gates of hell would not overcome the church that he is building. Never. The gates of hell will not be able to overcome the church that Jesus is building. And not only do we have that promise, but Jesus has given us power and authority over Satan. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, <clears throat> one of the last things he did was, to, was that he gave his disciples one more promise. Jesus promised that they would be clothed with power. He said in Luke 24, 49, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And we see the, 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 the promise repeated again in, uh, repeated in Acts chapter 1, this time with a little bit more detail. 
And Acts chapter 1 tells us that the, power was, that the power that was promised comes with the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when they received this gift of the Holy Spirit that the Father, that the Father promised, with that gift of the Holy Spirit would come power. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 9. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave this command. This is just shortly before he ascended. He gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for, my, wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, is this time when you're going to come back, overthrow the Roman government, and restore all things, restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. <clears throat> but he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after this, he said, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So Jesus says here that he's going to send the gift that his father had promised. That gift is the Holy Spirit. The gift is the Holy Spirit. And when the gift of the Holy Spirit is given, along with him comes power. That shouldn't surprise us at all because the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. It's the Lord. It's God. He, he's, he's God. So when He comes to fill us and when He lives inside us, that means that His power resides inside us as well. He doesn't just come and live in us and leave His power out there. He comes in the fullness of His, of his power and lives inside of us. Jesus also tells them one more thing. He says, now stay in the city and wait. Stay in Jerusalem and wait. Wait until you receive the gift, until you receive the gift. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Why is that? It's because they couldn't do anything without the Holy Spirit. When Jesus walked on this earth, he didn't do anything until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit until the Holy Spirit descended on him. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus did all the miracles and did all the things that he did. So he says, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And then, so, you know, they go into Jerusalem and they're there. They're, they're, they're in the upper room and they're waiting there. They, uh, <clears throat> you know, several of the disciples have said we're staying there and you know, they, they, you know, or, you know, after Jesus is taken up to heaven, they go to the room and they waited. Day one, they waited. Day two, they waited. Day three, they waited. You ever waited on something that you're really anxious for and it's like the clock doesn't move? I could see them just there waiting, looking at the clock on the wall, you know, and saying, boy, I, w I can't wait till we get rid of these Roman numerals and have regular numbers like, you know, they're going to have in America someday. No, <laughs> I can see them just waiting, you know, counting, counting the second hand going around. No, but they're waiting. 
Day four, they're waiting. Day eight, they're waiting. Day 10 comes along. The Jewish Feast of Pentecost. And we read in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And as you skip down to verse 12, it says that they all said to one another, what does this mean? What the heck does this all mean? They're trying to figure it out. The Holy Spirit came in a demonstration of power. Sound of a mighty wind, it was like a tornado, you know, was, was hitting the house. That's what it sounded like. When, and what appeared, this all of a sudden, the, they saw this, this flame appear, this single flame appear, and then it split out. And a, 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 like a tongue of fire, a flame, you know, would rest above the heads of every single person in that room, not just the apostles, all 120 of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is given to the whole church, not just to a few people. It's not something for men, but not women. It's not something for adults, but not children. It's not just for those in the upper room that day. It's also not only for Jewish believers. It's for men, women, children, Jew, Gentile alike. In Acts chapter 10, Peter's speaking to a group of Gentiles in Cornelius' house. I think most of you know that story. And, and you know, he's telling them about Jesus and, and uh, uh, preaching Jesus to them. And verse 44 says, Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Now Luke doesn't say anything about the sound of a mighty wind. He doesn't say anything about tongues of fire. But it was obvious that they received the gift of the Holy Spirit because they suddenly started speaking in tongues and praising God. There were visible signs to that. Now the thing is, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on us today... It doesn't look the same necessarily as it did then. It will look different, but you are not a believer unless the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. There is a separate experience for the infilling of the Spirit. Okay? But every single believer... Make sure you hear what I'm saying. Every single believer has the Holy Spirit in them. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. It's not like you have to have an experience to receive the Holy Spirit. You already have him inside you. But there are times when the Holy Spirit is poured out on us, fills us, baptizes us, immerses us, there are times when he does that and it releases 
something into our lives and there's something it's something visible you know in, in in here it says that they were speaking in tongues it doesn't have to be that but there's some type of sign something that 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 happens later in acts chapter 19 the apostle paul baptized some believers in ephesus and, and in verse 6 tells us, in, in 19.6 tells us, when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Now, back to Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the 120 men and women in the upper room. The noise and commotion, it drew a crowd. Now, how this happened, I don't know. Whether or not, you know, the 120 went downstairs and started spilling out onto the streets, or whether there was a balcony and they started spilling out onto the balcony, I don't know, but there was a commotion. The noise drew a crowd, and then the crowd saw them, and they were amazed that, you know, as they were talking, as they were speaking, they were able to all hear them in their own language. They were able to hear them, no matter where they were from, from you know whatever country, they were able to hear them in their own languages. And that, quite frankly, blew the crowd away. Now, how is this happening? How are we able to hear this like that? And, and you know, many thought that they were drunk. Why? Because no doubt a lot of them were acting like they were drunk. Have you ever seen anybody that's been drunk in the spirit? How many have? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, there, when the Holy Spirit fills you so much, there are times when it's, it's almost, it looks like you're drunk. I remember when the, uh, the outpouring happened in Toronto, the Toronto Blessing. Good friend of mine was a, a, a pastor. He was, uh, he was um, somebody that does not get the wool pulled over their eyes easily, and somebody that does not go for questionable things easily. I mean, he's got a good mind on him. He was scheduled to preach that night, one night, and he gets up there, and from I've heard the reports from numerous different people. The music stand is right there, and he just he's draped over the music stand like a drunken man. He's just draped over it. The Holy Spirit was falling on people so thick there were others that were in their chairs and just fell out of their chairs as they were they were drunk in the spirit and that's what the people thought they are drunk and peter says stood up and says no we're not drunk it's only 9 a.m now i know for some people that doesn't make a difference but this was 9 a.m there and they were saying no you know it's 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 too early for that and then he says, starting in verse 16, no. In other words, no, we're not drunk. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Back to the question, what does this mean? This is what this means. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, are we in the last days? Yes. The church age, when the church age started, it started the last days. A lot of times we think last days as in, okay, we've got a week or a month or a year left. 
But no, the last days started with the, the death and resurrection of Christ and, and the, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit falling on Pentecost. That was the beginning of the last days, and so we are living in the last days. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And then Peter proceeds to preach to them about Jesus and 3,000 people put their faith in Christ that day. 3,000 people. Talk about power. 3,000 people, when Peter gets up to preach, 3,000 people get saved. So when the Holy Spirit's poured out, the gifts of the Spirit were released into the church, and people saw the power of God, their lives were transformed. Now here's what we need to see today. This was not just for then. This is for today. This is for right now. Things may look different today than they did then. But this filling of the Holy Spirit, this being baptized in the Holy Spirit, this empowering of the Holy Spirit, this being able to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit was not just for then in the early church. It is for today, it is for right now, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for every believer. And remember, when he comes into our lives, he comes in with power. And the people heard Peter and they asked, what should we do? And in Acts 2, 38 and 39, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the gift of the Holy Spirit is given with repentance uh, and when we, uh, with repentance when we are forgiven of our sins and a sign of repentance is that we are baptized. Some people look at the act of baptism as, as, as what saves us. It does not. But it is a sign that we have repented of our sin and decided to follow Jesus. And it says, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call, including Vineyard Community Church, Bloomington, Indiana, in 2022. Now, obviously, that last part is not in Scripture, so don't go saying, it's not in my Bible. You, you added to Scripture. You know, repent of that. No, no, no. But we are included in the for all whom the Lord our God will call. What the 120 men and women experienced in their upper room on Pentecost, that's commonly referred to, we've already called it this, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Is It, it is an experience that God wants us to have, there is an outpouring, there is an infilling that he wants us to have. Some people have that when they give their lives to Christ. 
Everybody, when they give their lives to Christ and put their faith in him, receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. But for some people, they experience the infilling and the outpouring um, uh, uh, that, that similar to what the apostles uh, and the, re the rest of the disciples in the upper room experienced. It wasn't just for that day and time. It's for all believers everywhere until Christ comes back. That's you and that's me. The experience may look different for us. As I said, it, it, it does. I don't know of anybody, I don't know of any other person, you know, that, that, that I've spoken to that had tongues of fire appear over them. Could it happen? Absolutely. You know, as long as it didn't come too close. There's not much to burn, but there is some. I don't know if anybody has had that experience, okay? Doesn't mean that God can't do it, but it manifests in different ways in our lives. But the endowment with power, yeah. That's, that comes for each one of us. When the Holy Spirit fills us, we have access to His power. So, why don't we see more power in the church today? Why don't we see more power in the church, especially in the Western world? Why don't we see more power in the church today? I think the main reason is, we don't expect it. We don't expect it. In theory, we believe. In theory, we believe the power of God can come. But we don't think it will come through us. We don't think it will come through me. Oh, it can come through maybe, you know, somebody else. This, you know, preacher has a, has, he's known for, you know, powerful healing ministry or he's known for this or whatever. You know, a prophetic person comes in and, you know, we, it, it, it's easier to believe that God will come through someone else. But how many of us believe that God will come through ourselves? We've been conditioned to rely more on what we can figure out and know intellectually and rationally than on what God says he will do. Our mind tells us, oh, it's for others. It's, 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 it's not for us. Well, it could be, but yeah, it's not going to happen or it's not going to happen to me today, whatever. Our intellect blocks the experience. Now, be clear, I'm not saying get rid of our intellect. I'm not saying, you know, empty your minds and throw that. We need, God gave us our intellect. God gave us our minds. We need to, to use them. That's how we can d discern between what's true and what's not. We don't just check them at the door. But some things go beyond what our intellect can understand, rationalize, or explain. We don't just need intellectual knowledge. We don't just need more information. A lot of people know a lot of the information in this book. But go nowhere with it. 
Some don't even believe. Some know this book. They know the information and they know the facts. They know the stories. They know all of that. But they don't even believe. We need more than just that. In Western culture, we've been conditioned to elevate rational thinking and intellect above everything else. And if it doesn't fit into our grid, we can't even see it. But in cultures around the world that have a worldview of the supernatural, that it not only exists, but it is expected, it's happening there, in those cultures, they see it. So if we as a church want to truly be a people with power, not only a people with power, but a people that tap into and use the power that's available to us, what can we do? What should we do? First of all, we need to confess our unbelief and repent of it. Now when I say that, you need to understand. The word repent literally means to change our thinking. So we need to change our thinking and start believing that not only can not only did it happen, not only can it happen, but that God's power can move through me and then begin to expect it to happen. That's the first thing. Start changing our thinking about about and so that you know it's like okay God I'm going to ask for this and I'm going to expect you to come and keep asking for it. That's the second thing. Ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of it. If you're hesitant, write down this verse. If you're hesitant, read Luke eleven nine to thirteen. And trust God to give you what you asked for. Don't be afraid of it. And if you don't like the word baptized in the Holy Spirit, because some people have a thing about that word, I don't care if you call it baptized in the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being endued with power. I don't care what you call it. But you need to know that God wants you to have that experience. You can say, well, I, I, you know, gave my life to Christ, you know, 30 years ago, and I never had an experience like that. Are you saying that I don't have the Holy Spirit? No, I'm not saying that at all. You do have the Holy Spirit. But God also wants to have, give you an experience of his power overflowing you, his power filling you, and you walking in things that you didn't think were for you. So confess our unbelief, repent of it, change our thinking, ask God to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, fill us with the Holy Spirit, and then wait. Now, I don't mean just sit back and do nothing. I mean you continue to ask, and you wait with expectation. You wait with expectation. You ask, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And then expect him to. And wait. And, and you know, while continuing to do the things he's told us to do. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. And yes, they are real. If you've ever seen a person that's been demonized, 
you'll never doubt again about their reality, and they're not all in Africa, they're not all in Indonesia, they're not all in China, they're not all in other countries. There's uh, quite a few right here in America. Heal the sick, cast out demons, tell people about Jesus, do all the things that we're supposed to do. In other words, put yourself in position of doing what you, what you simply cannot do unless God shows up and empowers you. So you step out in this. You step out in this. And you pray for someone that's sick. Now, when I say pray for someone who's sick, I don't necessarily just mean, oh God, Father, you up there. If it's your will, you know, this is a really good person here really valuable for your kingdom. So if it's your will, could you find it in your heart to heal them, to take away the sickness? Is that how they prayed in the Bible? No. no. How'd they pray? Fever, go. Be healed. Be cleansed. Leprosy. It's like, whoa, that's a whole nother level. Now, is there anything wrong with saying going and interceding for somebody to be healed? No, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not putting that down at all. I'm just saying let's not stop short. And let's fever go in the name of Jesus. Sickness go in the name of Jesus. Back be straightened in the name of Jesus. And if you don't see it happen, do it again. Say, well, is that biblical? Yes, it is. If Jesus is biblical, that's biblical. Jesus healed the blind man's eyes. He, he you know, and he, he um, is that the time, I think, where he made mud with the spit and put it in his eyes? And I, th I think that's the same story. But anyway, one story when he, you know, he did one thing and then, and then uh, his, uh, uh, he said, you know, how are you seeing now? And he said, oh, I, I see men like trees walking. In other words, I, I'm seeing some figures. I'm seeing some figures, and they're moving about, but there's no clarity at all. Touched him again, prayed for him again, and then he could see clear as a bell. So if Jesus had to do it twice, you think we might have to sometimes? Persistence. Okay, now, for what everybody felt was coming, for, for what everybody wondered was coming, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and again, it's not anybody that hasn't been, it's if you want to be, because it's a repeatable experience. We see that in the book of Acts. It's a repeatable experience to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you want that, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered, whatever you want to call it, if you want that for your life now, then I want you to just stand up right where you are. <clears throat> you can raise your hand. So what are we going to do now? We're going to pray.
and let God do whatever God wants to do. There may be something visible and physical. There may not. But we're going to believe that God is going to do this. But first, let's take care of this nagging thought of, is this really for me? Is God's power really for me? Or is it just for everybody else that's standing? Father, we repent of unbelief. We confess it to you. We confess it in our lives, Lord, and, 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 and say, Lord, it's been there, it's there. And we repent of it. We are going to change our thinking now. And, Lord, we choose to believe. We choose to believe that the power of the Holy Spirit whatever kind of experience it comes with or doesn't come with, that the power of the Holy Spirit is not only for us in this room, but it's for me. It's for me. So we ask you, baptize us in the Holy Spirit now. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Let's just wait on him for a minute. Come, Holy Spirit. As you came in that upper room so many years ago, Come and rest on us. Come and fill us. Lord, for those who are afraid of what could happen, just remove that fear. We trust you that when we ask you for the Holy Spirit, you're not going to give us something else. Holy Spirit, come as you did on that first day of Pentecost. Come today. Increase our expectation. Increase our expectation. We ask you to give us divine appointments that you would put us in situations and then whisper in our ear, this is a divine appointment. Step out in faith. Give us divine appointments. Bring people across our path at the right time. Give us eyes to see what you are doing 
ears to hear what you are saying. the power to transform lives. The power to transform lives. Not our power, Lord. The power of the Holy Spirit. Come. Let's just wait on him for a minute. His presence is here. His presence is resting on and filling you. Believe that he will do what he said he would do. This promise is for all who would believe on him down through the ages and we are a part of that. Receive it by faith. Begin to expect. Begin to expect to see manifestations of his power working through you. Working through you. The only way we will see that happen is if we step out and risk and try if Peter hadn't stepped out and began preaching those 3,000 people that day would never have been saved So, Lord, show us where you want us to step out. If we're afraid, then, Lord, calm those fears and give us the assurance of your presence. going to wrap things up but let me ask you I mean I could see the Holy Spirit just coming and resting on and in however about everyone here if you felt 
his presence and felt like, yes, he's, he's coming, he's met me here, he's doing something, I want you to just slip up your hand. Okay, a number of you. A number of you. Let me tell you just something else before we wrap this up. Those that didn't raise their hands, I can tell you that the Holy Spirit was touching you and is ministering to you even if you felt nothing. It's not about how we feel. But I could see it. It's like the Holy Spirit just descended en masse on this place. And, every, and your countenance changed. So if you say, well, I didn't feel anything. Don't believe the lie that that means God didn't do anything. You are not left out. Not at all. Just watch and see what's going to happen. Okay. Let's hold out our hands for the benediction. May the Lord Jesus Christ continue to send you the gift promised by the Father, continue to baptize you in his Holy Spirit, May you see his power loosed in your life. May he lead you into divine appointments where he shows you what he is doing, invites you to join with him, and may you have the faith and the boldness to simply believe him and step out and do it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you. As you go, keep your eyes open to what he's doing.